it has to be the technology innovation of the year, perhaps the innovation that will quite literally change the world. As you might have guessed, I'm talking about artificial intelligence. Today, we explore how local tech firms are deploying AI and the potential that this disruptive technology gives them to accelerate in 2024 and beyond. It's all about AI in this episode of Techopia Live. Hello, everyone. I'm Michael Curran from the Ottawa Business Journal. Welcome to Techopia Live. This is a regular podcast from OBJ that features executives from next generation technology companies. We want to shine a spotlight on the up and comers. And we also want to keep you updated on the big established flagship companies, all with a goal of keeping the tech sector informed and connected. Well, today's a bonus episode of Techopia Live. We often do these at the end of the year, and these bonus episodes are specifically designed to highlight some of the great work that's done by Techopia champions. These are the organizations that fund Techopia. This bonus episode, we're focused on Number Crunch. Number Crunch, as you probably know by now, has a mission to empower entrepreneurs, especially when it comes to their corporate finances. They allow entrepreneurs, we talk to many of them, outsource things like ARAP, uh, payroll, HST, bank, recil bank reconciliations, the really important stuff, but maybe where the CEOs don't need to be focused. But uh, they also help on the CEOs and C-suite by providing uh, really strategic advice, uh, virtual controllership and virtual CFO, the really high value stuff. So they combine both. And Number Crunch works with a remarkably large number of technology startups. It seems whenever I co-host one of these uh, episodes with the co-founder of Number Crunch, we're like, they're a client, they're a client, they're a client, they're a client. In fact, I just did a podcast with Wesley Clover a few days ago, and they gave Number Crunch a ringing endorsement. So right now, why don't we bring on uh, the co-founder of Number Crunch. Here is Susan Richards. Uh, Hello, Susan. How are nice you doing? To see you. I'm doing fantastic. And who wouldn't be after that introduction? Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. I <laughs> thought that the endorsement wasn't asked for, but uh, Wesley Clover, of course, Terry Matthews, uh, conglomerate of companies said, we use Number Crunch. They're really great. Well, uh, fantastic. We do love uh, supporting the ecosystem. And Wesley Clover certainly has their mark in the city. Yeah. And and as many people know, Susan, you've had your you've left your mark on the city in many ways, including uh, being the longtime chair of Invest Ottawa. So thank you for all that community work. And all of this gives you great insight, I think, Susan, into the local technology uh, ecosystem. Today, we're going to talk about something that I think from an innovation point of view has certainly been the talk of the year. Uh, and it's probably going to be one of those stories of the year you're hearing about in the news, artificial intelligence. Um, so maybe, Susan, I'll just start off by asking you, again, you're speaking to a lot of tech founders, CEOs, what are you seeing or hearing from uh, your clients when it comes to artificial intelligence? Well, it's it's fascinating. First of all, if you're not saying AI in a, a sentence or a paragraph, then I don't think you're in 2023. It is, it is everywhere. Um, I, in general, I would say uh, the general sentiment is, is very positive. Um, there's tons of opportunity. I think people are pleasantly surprised at, at how quickly they're adopting different uh, 
practical applications of, of AI in tools throughout their business day. Um, every business is seeing how their organization um, can leverage AI um, to give more value to their clients and, and in all kinds of ways. And yeah, there's some fear, um, but I'd say by, by and large in the tech sector, of course, this is an audience that's um, that's positioned to see opportunity, to innovate from it. And um, I, I'm very excited for where we're going. And sometimes I think we could be mistaken, Susan, by thinking, you know, AI is for open companies like OpenAI or Microsoft or Google. Um, but I think there's two kind of use cases here. Um, there's the use case where I've found an AI tool or the use case where I'm building AI into uh, their technology stack, uh, Shopify comes to mind, by the way. Shopify is now using AI to examine in its in its client stores, e-commerce stores to examine prices and maybe even do some marketing and that type of stuff. Um, Susan, one of the things you're excellent at doing is providing really high value strategic advice. So when you're talking to a technology development uh, company, someone uh, that's uh, actively doing R&D, are you in encouraging them for like valuation purposes to be to get serious about AI and explore those opportunities? I'm excellent question. First of all, I'm mostly listening because everybody I talk to seems to have more knowledge in this topic than I do. So I'm absorbing a lot. Um, I'm absorbing both the ways that the, the AI can compete with some of our existing technology companies um, products today. Um, but also how they can develop them. I think um, I think AI being mentioned in pitch decks is a little bit like the hockey hockey stick chart. Uh, it's got to be in there. You have to be highlighting the AI that you're using. Um, you certainly have to show that you have a roadmap that's leveraging it. And I think um, most I think most businesses today are tapping into it. And as a matter of fact, Number Crunch, we have our own AI um, uh, program in the works. Um, we're going to be leveraging AI for um, organizations that just want to track and file their bookkeeping. So they just have bookkeeping and, and taxes. We're calling it fast track. I think every business has, just like how every business had an opportunity to leverage the web, um, I think every business really has an opportunity to leverage AI. And, and certainly I'm asking questions about how you're using it today, where you're going in the future with it. Yeah, it, it really does kind of seem like 1990s all over again when the question would have been, have you heard about the World Wide Web? What do you think? Email? You have a web page? Uh, although this might be a lot more disruptive potentially than than the web with all due respect. Um, and Susan, I like the point you made about you guys. That's exciting that you guys are at Number Crunch are embracing AI, you know, making me think of MindBridge in Ottawa, which is probably one of the big uh, players uh, uh, MindBridge, of course, is is using AI in things like audits and so on and so forth. But, and I don't want to restrict you to bookkeeping or finance here, yeah. Susan. The other conversation I hear all the time is CEOs swapping. Oh, what's your favorite AI tool? Oh yeah, yeah. Or what are you using? Well, exactly. We have a couple of local favorites here too. Fellow has a great meeting AI tool. We got Block that's doing um, also forms of meeting and capturing. Um, activities and relationships, connecting them. Um, I like to use Canva occasionally for creating um, easy, you know, as an accountant, I'm not certainly a designer. Um, they make that easy. Um, and there's so many uh, different ones from a personal level too. So there's tools. It, it's interesting. I think a lot of these are going to enhance our capabilities. They have the ability to chat GPT, of course, to create a lot of efficiency but it, they also get you down a rabbit hole. 
And so the amount of time invested discovering the latest and greatest um, is perhaps absorbing some of that time savings. But um, but I love the capabilities from a reporting standpoint to to start content. Um, you know, it's not a finisher yet, but it is. Um, it, it can really help uh, catalyze um, more activity than what people were doing a year ago. Yeah, great. And and to some degree, both you and I, I think, are newbies. I'll, I'll call us AI <laughs> newbies. We're experimenting. Yeah. But the exciting part of today's show, Susan, is we've got two people that are deep. They're doing a deep dive. In fact, they've based their entire uh, companies on AI. In fact, we're going to bring our first guest on screen. Uh, right here. Uh, let's meet him now. Please welcome the CEO of Esprit AI. Here is Patrick Tan. There's Patrick. Hey, good afternoon, Michael, and uh, nice to meet you. And uh, so is uh, Susan. Yeah, wonderful. You're joining us from uh, Canada. You're in the park. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've got to stay in the park and be part of the tech uh, community, I guess. <laughs> okay. I'm going to kick things off, Patrick, by just getting you to introduce yourself and equally important, your company. So what is Esprit AI? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, well, so I'm Patrick Tan, and I'm actually the, uh, one of the co-founders and CEO of Esprit AI. Um, we are a local Ottawa company that is dedicated to uh, helping seniors, particularly those living with dementia, to actually live a safer and healthier life try to help their family to actually have more peace of mind and insights that whether their loved ones are doing well. And uh, for those actually say care workers and actually in commercial institutions to actually try to make their life actually easier, a little bit less stressful while they actually provide better care. Um, well, maybe let me give a little bit more specific. Well, what the heck does that mean? Okay, <laughs> it's really about can we actually deliver some solution, some help, okay? Focusing on the senior so that we can actually help reduce or prevent some of the potential accidents they might have in their residence or actually in their, perhaps the retirement home suites. And if something bad actually happened, can we actually instantly detect it and then actually alert someone to actually come help them? So like and having an invisible caregiver in your residence that are actually protecting you at all times. And while you don't have to actually worry about like doing anything, should something bad happen, help would actually come to you. So as simple as that. Okay, great. And Susan, you're going to do some follow-up questions. Yeah. I, I, well, I'd love to know, can you describe the AI? How are you using AI? Yeah, absolutely. Well, so maybe let me start with explaining a little bit about like what how a solution actually works, and then I actually bring in sort of like the AI aspect. Okay, so we I, I explained a little bit about like we our primary goal is to actually be able to detect something bad, something perhaps unusual happen in your primary residence. Well, we do that by actually installing some very small, discrete, but very specialized sensors in the residence, and actually silently really listening about what's going on. Okay. So these smart sensors would then actually collect a whole pile of information and then use it to actually deduce if something actually bad, such as, for example, a fall, or for example, if actually the person actually start wandering out of the house in the middle of the night when it's actually minus 25 degrees, or even as simple as, well, the person trying to actually get to the bathroom but have difficulty, okay? Then we can actually use these actually 
if you will, these smart sensors would actually work together and including our cloud base or applications to actually figure out if something, well, if something bad happened, and then if something bad happened, then go actually tell someone, okay? Now, where AI comes in, you can probably already start to actually see where it is, right? So there's a lot of data being generated by the sensors. And so someone somewhere actually need to actually in real time digest this data, actually make some real time inference about, well, what just happened? And from there to actually figure out, well, should we actually do something? But the AI part is not just about figuring out what had happened. I mean, that, that it's somewhat historic, but what we're trying to achieve, we actually say, well, based on this set of things actually happening in the environment, what might happen soon? So for example, if we actually know someone, a very concrete example that actually had a very severe mobility challenge, okay? If that person is about to get out of bed, and if we actually see signs, well, he or she actually start to actually go to the bathroom, forgot the walker. If we can actually stop it right there before the person actually falls, because we actually know she's or he is getting up and actually walking the wrong direction, as simple maybe, then we can actually alert someone or do something. For example, we can actually say, uh, make a sound from the from the walker to actually remind him, oh, you need to take the walker. Now we potentially might have diffused a very serious incident. So that's where we actually apply a lot of AI uh, in, in how we actually do things. Fantastic. And, and, and so how do you see this accelerating your business? Uh, well, certainly like AI is integral part of actually in how we actually do things, how it actually helps us without AI, we can possibly actually in record time. And what I'm talking about, ima imagine the situation. Well, a person actually just want out of the house, okay? Uh, in the middle of the night because that person has dementia, okay? Your window of actually trying to defuse a situation might be as short as a couple of seconds, right? And to actually deduce that, well, that situation is happening might require a lot of sensory input I mean, it's not as simple as wait till the door opens, right? By that time, it might be too late, the person is gone. And so that's where AI actually comes in is, we actually try to put AI into every sensor that we actually, a lot of them are purpose-built by us, into the sensor itself so that it actually do a level of real-time inference about potential, what it means from what I'm trying to sense if I am as simple as a door sensor, I should be able to tell that what well, the door is being open, obviously. But if by working with other sensors that we actually know what the person is about to open the door, mm. now we just actually take things into the next layer, right? So that's where the, the AI part in our solution is, well, at the very raw sensing level, we apply a level of AI. Now that also is a benefit of then reducing, because at the end of the day, the heavy, duty lifting, if you will, the heavy lifting has to be done in the cloud where we have a lot more compute uh, resources, okay? Mm -hmm. But that means that we are in real time streaming a lot of data actually into the cloud. Now the cloud has a very difficult job of doing a couple of things. One is we also have a unique sort of approach. We actually call it sensor fusion, okay? 
So basically taking in the different diverse set of data, they're all different types from multiple sensors, fuse the basic information together, provide the real-time inference about what could happen, and then to actually make some decisions. And then also now, based on that, to actually start in real time to actually self-adjust or adapt, if you will, to actually do that training in motion. So mm. those are the things that are happening in the cloud in parallel with the sensor doing things. So those are a couple, so like uh, how we actually leverage a lot of things and how you can see now, well, without AI, I don't think we can possibly deal with any of these. And Patrick, I was going to ask uh, about kind of your where you're at in your development as a company. Mm -hmm. So uh, Esprit AI Sense, I believe, yeah. is your product, right. and you are. This isn't just an idea that you're developed. You're you're in market with this as in seniors' homes, for example. Yeah. Is that right, uh, Patrick? Yeah, correct, correct. We have been actually deployed commercially now, being used by a number of uh, live customers for well, probably about two years now. And so that's actually, I'll call it a very interesting journey. And, and maybe uh, put on my techie hat a little bit to actually bring it back to AI, right? One of the difficult, most probably difficult thing about AI is the training data. And without data, you really can't do a good job in training your data set, training the model. So that so like a slow deployment over the course of the last two years, we start to deploy, we actually start to see a lot more so real life data actually that we are able to, uh, if you will, leverage and actually start to improve our AI engine. So that that is actually also a really good thing for us and, and as a continuing progression for us. That's great, uh, Patrick. And you know, when I introduced you, I forgot to say something really important which was uh, that Esprit AI won one of our best auto business awards at the Bobs uh, for best new business. So congratulations to Esprit AI. We got to celebrate you at a, at a nice gala yeah. with hundreds of people and uh, had you up on stage, uh, people from your, your company up on stage, Patrick. So I actually, we actually sincerely actually want to thank you. Thank you, you, Michael. Thank you, dear, I'll call it the selection committee for at least recognizing us and I think we, uh, the whole team actually felt very humble uh, about at least uh, winning the award. But at the same time, I would say that the team also want to feel very proud because I, I think um, at the end of the day, we try to do something to actually really help the community, help these yeah. sort of like our most uh, vulnerable sort of like a population. And and I felt, well, it's good to at least uh, we we being at least like, if you will, make a bigger noise that we can actually help a little bit more. Absolutely. On such an important issue, by the way, Patrick, in our society, you know, just having gone through the pandemic and seen all the problems in seniors' homes, and a lot of those problems, I don't have to tell you, Patrick, related to staffing, and right. your solution addresses the problem at many levels, but staffing is probably one of them because seniors' homes don't have enough people to be monitoring uh, the residents. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. No, I think that's such a great point that you actually made, Michael. And for example, one of the things that we keep hearing from a lot of um, the, the institutional customer, we call them, it's exactly that is a staffing problem. Well, it's the volume of work that unfortunately the, the worker has to help with just because of like labor shortage. And that itself actually creates a lot of stress for them. So 
maybe perhaps a simple example to, to actually explain this. Just imagine like um, we all know whether in a hospital environment, even in a retirement, uh, retirement home environment, oftentimes like the staff actually have to help with like, what they call the nighttime check-ins, right? Just to actually go check on every patient, every resident, make sure that they are well, they're actually, actually still alive, in lack of, lack of solid and more simplistically. Now, um, without any help, I mean, literally, our colleague maybe is a simple way to explain this. Like, well, I have to check on 20 person. What do I do? I go from one to 20. Well, imagine now if with our solution in place, I actually know right now the resident in room two and eight and 12 is actually up and about or actually not sleeping. Maybe I should go visit them first because otherwise I risk waking everybody up. You know, like a lot of us are light sleepers. As soon as the door opens, you wake up, right? So that way it's just a very so simplistic way that we can actually help. So not the benefits, not just for the senior person for the safety, but also in this case, even for the staff to actually help hopefully reduce a bit of the workload and reduce a bit of stress. That's a great example. It, it yeah. really kind of makes it real world. Uh, Patrick, I wish we could keep on talking and we will keep at OBJ and Techopia, keep on following your company. So please keep us abreast of all the great news. But at this point, we'll say bye to you, Patrick. Thank you for joining uh, Susan and I, and uh, we wish you all, all the best. Congratulations on the Bob's Award again. Well, thank you again, and thank you so much for having me and Lisa on this show and uh, and chatting with you again, Michael. And of course, I had to meet you actually, quote unquote, in person of yeah. your season. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll do that. I'll make my way out to Canada for sure. Thanks, Pat. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Patrick. Thank you so much, okay? and have See a great you. afternoon. See you soon. Uh, fascinating company, Susan. Oh, right? I you, love you see it. how AI gets, you know, really changes the trajectory of a company. Well, that's it. And, you know, for people who have that default that AI is just all only about uh, efficiency and cutting people and that we sometimes lose the humanity. And look at this. This is really all about enhancing people that are the most vulnerable and, and often overlooked and, and really also the medical staff. I love the application, bringing our hospitals together with their technology. That's so great for the community and, and you know, the greater world. So I love this. Yeah, it is. It, it's a great point about keeping the human aspect because we're always kind of concerned about that when it comes to AI. So Susan, and for our viewers, not only do we have one uh, great uh, local AI company, we've got two. Uh, but before we introduce you to the second, we're going to pause this uh, discussion for a second to learn a little bit more about Number Crunch. Number Crunch is an Ottawa-based firm that allows you to strategically outsource your financials, especially if you're a technology startup or scaling your business. Number Crunch services range from bookkeeping to payroll to full virtual CFO services, including fundraising preparation and cash flow forecasting. Led by Susan Richards and Craig Hung, Number Crunch is supported by an established team of financial professionals who have advised and supported hundreds of firms. Number Crunch's cost-effective subscription model affords you the right expertise for every stage of your business. Let Number Crunch help your company mitigate risk by ensuring proper accounting procedures are in place, providing you with strategic input and scaling along with your business. For a quote on outsourcing and accounting, please visit numbercrunch.ca. Number Crunch, strength in numbers. 
All right, Susan, it's time, as promised, to recognize and welcome our second guest. Here is Orchid Jenhen Shahi. Hey, Orchid, how are you doing? Hi, thanks, Michael. Susan, nice to see you. Yeah, it's great. You're joining us from uh, Toronto right now, but um, when I think of your company, I think of it, uh, I, I know uh, the founder, Naraj, and I think of it as, a, as an Ottawa-based company, but Orchid, introduce us to uh, New Energy. Yes, absolutely. Well, we are a Canadian AI uh, software company that actually does something a little bit different than what you just heard. We don't actually create our AI. We don't uh, necessarily use the AI to sell the AI. We actually create guardrails and um, what we call trust around um, around uh, the AI that organizations are using. And we do that by creating uh, a governance policy and framework um, with clients understanding what their own trust parameters are and what's important to them, and then using our software to actually build an index. And the index is actually called the machine trust index that is related to the, to the level of privacy, ethics, transparency, and also the bias that could be inherent in the AI that they're uh, creating or using. Okay. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No. yeah, sorry about that. I was just fascinated by that. So are you using AI to create the product that then governs and or guardrails your client's AI? Is that what I'm hearing? Yes. Uh, I think it's important to, to realize that, as you said earlier, uh, Susan, AI is like air. If you say, I, you know, I'm doing something with AI, it's almost becoming commonplace. Uh, but what's not common and what's actually relatively new, as you know, as of spring of this year, it became uh, quite apparent that even the leaders in AI, uh, Jeffrey Hinton, Elon Musk, uh, they, they asked people in the world to slow down a little bit. And that's all related to, to this understanding that AI, especially generative AI, which came out recently as well, you know, has this opportunity, of course, to create incredible solutions for mankind, to help people live better lives, uh, to have people have better healthcare, but also there's an opportunity for the, for the AI to go rogue, unfortunately, or possibly make its own decisions. And we're not sure as a society whether we're ready for that. So that's this idea of having guardrails became even more heightened in 2023. But one thing I wanted to really underline is New Energy has been in the business way before then. Uh, this company um, was there at, when no one really cared about the guardrails around AI. And um, interesting, you mentioned Niraj, uh, founder of New Energy, um, Niraj Bhargava. He has a different background. He's a serial entrepreneur as well as a very strong academic, having been a dean of school of business, as well as an engineer and an MBA. So um, what I find uh, really exciting about working at New Energy is we really have both the public and the, the private uh, sort of expertise within the organization. So yes, AI is being used and most recently Gen AI is being used, uh, but really our core business is to be the third party to help companies that are using AI or monitoring AI, for instance, a board of directors of a company may be very interested in this to, to make sure that it's trustworthy. That's fantastic because uh, I'm an accountant. And so in, in a profession where, um, you know, risk management is, uh, is key. And, and so knowing that you've been at this for quite a while, I'm very, I assume that means that you're, you're seeing far into the future beyond uh, the average person. So where do you see this taking your business? Well, that's a big statement. I'm not sure if anyone can see into the future. I don't think anyone, for instance, predicted 
you know, what's happening recently in, in this area. But I think one, one thing that we do know is there, there are now more and more examples of, of the need for the trust. And those examples could be uh, more recent, for instance. Um, one of the examples is with facial recognition. You know, people can use AI beautifully to, um, to make sure that we catch criminals with facial recognition. At the same time, we know the use of it in Canada has been uh, taken away because you could be catching the wrong people because of their skin color. The data not being great with all faces could be making mistakes. So there's that whole inaccuracy piece that's getting better and better perhaps, but the AI is also getting stronger. Uh, so the examples are, are coming in more and more, people are more aware. And I think personally, I think what needs to happen now is to, in the mainstream, people need to, to have a comfort because you know there are three types of, uh, I guess, AI, people touching AI. One are the ones obviously developing them, like Google's and, and uh, OpenAI. You've got people who are using it and deploying it like your last um, speaker, uh, Patrick. And then they're just the average people. My mother's unfortunately using ChatGPT, I think, to diagnose her illness. So there's different levels of trust that need to be created. And no longer are we talking about just speaking at the level of a, of a government. Um, we do have government clients. Obviously, um, RCMP is one of our uh, most exciting clients because that whole role of AI in, in law enforcement, it has to be uh, it's very serious, but we also feel that we, we're, we're getting much more interest from the private sector, uh, companies that are sitting um, near AI or, or using it to deal with uh, a lot of uh, consumer types of applications. And they obviously see the need for the average person to feel comfortable and it becomes a, almost like a stamp of approval to make sure that um, um, these products are, are trustworthy. Orkin, I want to follow up, uh, but before I ask that question, I want to uh, attest to the fact that Niraj was working on this for a lot of years. So mm -hmm. I think I've had the pleasure of sitting on a committee with him for about five or seven years, and he's been talking to me about AI, and it was like, what are you talking about? I mean, <laughs> I had heard about it in, from a science fiction point of view, but uh, the fact that Niraj has been into this for so long is very, very impressive. Uh, but the question I wanted to ask, and you just, uh, there was a little bit of a transition um, uh, there, Orkin, is to ask who your clients are. So. I, I am understanding now, so the RCMP, potentially a public institution. Are you also working directly with private sector companies, potentially like Esprit AI, to make sure that there's no uh, ethical or hallucinations or or hallucinations probably only apply, by the way, to generative AI. But uh, are you working with the private sector as well? Yes, I mean, of course, we're a small company. We are expanding in that area. One of the areas uh, that, well, definitely the Government of Canada, we've had experience there. Uh, we are um, certified in the Government of Canada source list, uh, which is very important. Um, in terms of the RCMP, there's obviously private applications to that around the world, but we are staying in Canada. But specifically with private sector, we have uh, an engagement coming up actually very soon with Communitech, which is not Ottawa, but you know, not too far uh, in the, um, I guess, Kitchener-Waterloo area. And um, they have a whole host of, um, I guess, member companies that are going to be exposed to this machine trust index that we've created. And the exciting thing there is we know that it's difficult for tech companies to be able to afford one more expense to get, let's say, certified on AI or buy an AI software. So we are actually in the midst of creating a product that would allow the private sector smaller companies to also access and make sure that their uh, their AI um, is trustworthy and ethical. Okay. okay, and this is probably not only for uh, companies that are 
uh, deep into AI, such as Esprit AI, but also companies that are just using some sort of uh, AI application within their company. Right. I mean, as, as Susan mentioned, AI is everywhere. So I think the first thing to do is really to take an assessment of what is happening. Um, we have clients who are, let's say, mental health institutions, and they are not sure if there's AI in some of the software that they're using with patients. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's partly, part of this is really engaging, educating um, customers to to look for, for the tech that could be touching this, this area. It's moving so fast that in a large company, I think people are surprised how much of, uh, of this is actually going to be used soon, especially the generative stuff. And, uh, you know, just the awareness piece and understanding what is unique with each organization with respect to which of those risk parameters are most important to them would be the first step. So this is not uh, so much of an off-the-shelf kind of SaaS. It's still very much a, um, a repeatable process, but it could be configured to different needs of, of clients that way. Well, it's fascinating, Orchid, and it is a, certainly I can see why a company like New Energy uh, needs to exist to uh, to determine whether things are whether AI is being used in a, a proper way or or operating, as you say, uh, within guardrails. So, thank you for sharing that. Um, uh, we really appreciate your time here uh, today, Orchid, and uh, we'll certainly be following New Energy in 2024 and beyond. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Orchid. Uh, once again, that was Orchid from New Energy, and uh, she's got a great uh, CEO, Naraj. Uh, look him up on LinkedIn. Susan, what, what are some of your thoughts? They're two very different examples of, of companies using AI. And this, uh, just, is, this, this is, is why it is everywhere, right? Because it's a whole ecosystem. It opens a whole segment. I think when you likened it to the World Wide Web, that is parallel. Um, I think of the invention of the calculator. Um, these things are disruptive to uh, the world and we all will rise and uh, learn to use them, be a little cautious. There's gonna be um, big decisions and factors at play, um, but it's uh, it's exciting to see where, where this all heads. And I, you know, I think maybe uh, one thing to just underline before we, we conclude is, I think a lot of these discussions, especially if you're talking to tech CEOs and uh, software developers, is you better figure out hey, a, how AI might disrupt you and get ahead of this issue, both for your financial success or your attracting funding, right, Susan? Absolutely. We, have, we still have labor shortages. AI can really help with that. Um, we need uh, smarter uh, solutions. Um, everything is getting smarter. Um, and so I, I think, you know, if you, if you're not thinking about how AI is going to play a role in your business, now's the time over new year's resolutions to, to set it for 2024. Yeah, you got it. And speaking of 2024, before we wrap up, Susan, anything that should be on our radar from a number crunch perspective? I mean, I heard your, yeah. heard about your AI tool, maybe. Yeah. We've got a couple of things in the hopper. So AI, so fast track is, um, is we're already in beta mode, actually. We're accepting clients, those that are just looking, not looking for payroll, just basic bookkeeping, track and file. Um, and we have um, in the works community bookkeeping. It's going to be interacting um, immigrant entrepreneur bookkeeping solution in their native language. It's a big challenge. People come to this country and it's a lot to navigate, especially when English isn't your first language. Um, so that's an, an, another area we're working on. 
Very neat. Reminds me of the work that Carla Briones is doing. In yes, our city. It, indeed. Carla's a real champion in this area. And, and she's inspired me, actually, in, a, in many fronts to been uh, pulling this together for a while. Quite inspired by Carla and what she's doing for the community. Yeah. Yeah. A big part of Ottawa's future, for sure. And Canada's future. Uh, of course, Susan, I want to thank you for your support of Techopia Live throughout 2023 and wish you the best for 2024. Uh, and a big thank you to everything that Number Crunch is doing in our community to make sure that all of these tech CEOs and, and CFOs have the proper data, financial uh, analysis to, uh, to become uh, a big success. Well, thank you very much for the opportunity. You are a great uh, community champion. I love collaborations with you, Michael. All right. Thanks, Susan. All right, that was uh, Susan Richards uh, joining us from Canada from her office out there at uh, at Number Crunch. We want to thank all of you. Uh, this is, let me think, this I think is the final uh, episode of Techopia Live. Uh, if there's been a big number, by the way, it's 20, 30 episodes. Uh, you can mainly check them out on our YouTube uh, channel. Uh, they're under a playlist there, so they're not too hard to find. Uh, this also exists uh, as an audio podcast. So you can check us out on all of those platforms. I want to uh, hope that Techopia is keeping you connected and informed. Let's keep building Ottawa's technology utopia. That's Techopia. See you soon. Goodbye.